Today's episode is about a young mother who disappeared out of state of Utah. December 7th, 2009. Susan Powell. There is a book called If I Can't Have You, written by Greg Olson and Rebecca Morris. I read this when I was researching Susan's case, and it's an incredible book. It's very dark, it's very edgy, it's it's not a happy case. It's a very it's very difficult case. Especially with how it ends. Viewers, please be warned. Susan is a young mom out of Utah. She goes missing one night and never comes back. Supposedly, her husband, Josh, had something to do with this. Her two sons are Brandon and Charlie. Supposedly, the marriage between Josh and Susan was not a happy one. He was financially controlling, verbally controlling, and possibly abused the kids. Josh Powell is not a happy man. He ends up resenting women around around the age of 16 due to his mother controlling her own life after divorcing his father, Steve, for not following the rules set by his quote-unquote female friends. Stephen is an unusual father-in-law towards Susan, and he has a strange obsession with her and writes about it in journals and even dedicates songs to her. He is a very deranged man and had pictures related to voyeurism and child pictures in a secret journal with secret fantasies of another man's wife, let alone his daughter-in-law. Utah was very afraid to bring Josh to trial over all of this due to Susan never coming back, her body never appearing, and there's too many other variables at play. The kids end up being removed from the house and placed into foster care with brainwashing echoed statements on behalf of Josh and Steve. Josh wanted his kids in foster care instead of with his wife's family. And his wife's family believed that there was possible abuse involved and that inappropriate actions were involved and that they had a survival of the fittest 
family instead of putting the kids first. There was psychosexual testing done on Josh and as well as a risk evaluation. This is the final straw and the final act of violence on himself. It is February 5th, 2012. This is five years after Susan disappears. And it's the first 911 call. Elena, his sister, calls and emails him about a suicide note that she has received. And a social worker calls 911 at 12 noon on that Super Bowl Sunday when Josh locks the front door. And this is the last time that Josh and the kids are seen alive. The house went up in flames. With the fire station sitting across the street, it took them 22 minutes to get to this house. 22 minutes. That's not even the part that bothers me. The part that bothers me is Brandon and Charlie were innocent. They had chopping injuries due to Josh believing that if he couldn't have the sons, no one could. They suffered from carbon monoxide and both boys were molested and malnourished while living with Stephen and Josh. Michael Powell is Josh's brother and they go to a salvage yard. And this is 97 miles away in Pendleton. He has Army International Studies and Intelligence in Korea. He has encrypted emails and tapes. The part that bothers me is that he hit a Toyota Corolla in a parking lot that could have had Susan's body in it. And the satellite images prove that the car was put there in August. Months after Susan disappears. Steve Powell dies of a heart attack in prison. Unfortunately, there is no deathbed confession for him. Uh, Stephen Kosher, his name comes up a bunch when Susan Powell's name is connected. They disappear within four days of each other, with Susan disappearing first on the 7th and Stephen disappearing on the 13th. 
Josh and Stephen Powell firmly believe that Stephen Kosher and Susan Powell were having an affair. Even though there is no physical evidence that they met, they disappeared in two different cities at two different times. Journalist Stephen Kosher was a journalist for the Salt Lake Times and was last seen in Nevada. And Susan Powell disappeared while camping with her husband and kids. She never made it home. Stephen Powell needs to control the narrative at this point. He firmly believes that because he is such an unreliable narrator at this point in time, that they'll just keep listening and listening and listening to his narrative without searching for the truth. And there is evidence that Stephen Powell abused his wife verbally and physically and attempts to brainwash his kids. Susan is... She's not declared missing. Um, not missing, I'm sorry. She's not declared legally dead. So, there is a small possibility that she is still alive. I hope that is true. I hope that it that she is alive and is living her best life and is free of Josh. Going back in time a little bit to Saturday, June 28th, 2008, Susan writes a letter addressed to her family and friends saying that she is untrusting of her husband, Josh. She says that Josh threatened to destroy her if she ever files for a divorce. These letters would be kept safe in Susan's safe deposit box at work so that Josh couldn't have access. She believes that Josh would have taken away her kids from her. July 29th, 2008. She records documenting everything that they own. At 12.33, she's documenting her assets and getting ready for whatever fight Joshua bring. December 6th, 2009 is the day that she goes missing. She takes her two sons to service at the local Latter-day Saints church. And a neighbor visits with her and leaves around 5 while Susan takes a nap. There is evidence at this time that Susan had a possible miscarriage at this time and was resting and relaxing from that. Giovanna Owens is saying that this is the last time that Susan is seen alive by anyone outside her family home. At 2.29 is the last phone call. 5 o'clock Josh Powell says that he takes the boys sledding and that a neighbor sees Josh coming home and pulling into the garage. 11.45, a neighbor, Marco Batillas, hears a car alarm coming from inside the Powell's closed garage. All the lights appear off, but angry voices could be heard through the garage. December 7th, 
Josh says he leaves his home with the boys to go camping between midnight and 12.30 a.m. Uh, he says that he goes camping with the boys at Samson Springs, a campground in a remote area in the West Desert, not too far from their house. He says that Susan was at home asleep after cleaning a red stain off the carpet. However, Samson Springs is two hours from their house, and temperatures were well below freezing this night. never seen alive again. Her family still reaches out to the media. They still have books. And there's still multiple podcasts, multiple books all about this such as If I Can't Have You by Greg Olson and Rebecca Morris, the book that I read about Susan. I highly, highly recommend it. There is also another one written by Jennifer Graves and Emily Clausen, A Light in Dark Places. It documents the light of Susan's disappearance, and it talks about the dynamic of the family. Susan hid another item in her safety deposit box, a secret will, stating, I want it documented that there is extreme t turmoil in my marriage. If I die, it may not be an accident, even if it looks like one. Please take care of my boys. With this turmoil that she mentions, Josh files for bankruptcy in the year 2007 to the tune of $200,000. Because of this turmoil and because of the dynamic between the Powell family and the Cox family, Susan's maiden name, we might not ever get answers with fewer and fewer Powells left. There is only Elena left and Jennifer Graves left. We might not ever know the real meaning behind Susan Powell's disappearance. Thanks for listening. <laughs>